if you think about it, you are competing, right? That's mm -hmm. just the fact of the matter. There's limited amounts of slots in a DJ set in the city because of, you know, just the way that it works. But at the same time, it's like you're gonna go farther if you help each other out. And there is definitely enough for everybody to go around and to eat. And like, I don't think it needs to be, I think, I think it's good at the end of the day because this means that our whole genre and our whole industry is popping off. Welcome to Elevated Frequencies, the podcast that gives you access to the next level of house and techno so you can explore an elevated lifestyle. Today I have Ryan and Ian, aka Truth and Lies, on the show. These are two guys that are giving music and the music community their absolute all. They are truly building something special and they have some incredible insight on how to build a team of people around you that are all bought into the same mission. So. I hope you learned something from this conversation and of course, enjoy. Thank you both so much for joining me. It's nice to, to meet you virtually. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So I want to talk about your name, but I feel like that's really cliche. I also have this idea that I want to play the game two truths and a lie, but we don't know each other well enough yet. So let's, let's dig in a little bit first. Um, so you guys are both both in New York now, and I know you have uh, both have a musical background, yeah. um, but going back to your family roots, yeah. Ryan or Ian, whoever wants to start, tell me a little bit about that journey. Yeah, Ryan, go ahead. Um, so I started uh, playing, you know, I was in band in middle school and in elementary school and high school, and I played trumpet in band, and then I decided I wanted to go to school for music, and I went to school for classical music. And then when I got out of school, after I finished my master's degree, I was like not really in love with doing that anymore. And I was like, it was a very tough business. There's not very much of it anymore. Um, like performing in that industry is kind of difficult. And I loved it. So I loved the music part of it so much. I just didn't like that part of like, there's, there's not that much for me to really go and enjoy. And I started the time I started DJing in a bar with a friend of mine. And that's when, I got really hooked on doing electronic music. And when I moved to New York, it was, you know, it was, it's very big here. It was a huge influence on me every day of the week. We used to go to a club called Cielo in New York and it was a club where you could go watch all these New York legend DJs for free Monday through Thursday. And it was, it was great. And that's when I got the house music kind of bug. And that's where I feel like we ended up meeting. We ended up meeting at a, um, with a, with a person that I started working on and DJing with, and um, it was it was it was good for me to just get out of that shell of classical stuff and go to something new. And then we met. Ian, Ian kind of give you a little more of how we met, but we met through this this mutual friend doing events in the city. And then after a little while, we became Truth and Lies. Yeah, I mean, I I was playing music my whole life. It was like a, everyone in my family is an is a musician, so it was like a rule in my house. I had to play at least one instrument. I had to do at least an hour of practice a day. So I, I got stuck on the drums pretty early. So I've been playing drums most of my life. Um, and then, yeah, I moved to the city. I mean, I was born in the city. I've always been around New York. I grew up in Westchester. So about 
10, 11 years ago, I moved into the city, got super into the house music thing. Um, and then I went to audio engineering school and then I studied at um, Icon online music production school. So those are like, just kind of got me more and more into the world. And uh, yeah, like Ryan was saying, I used to work at a record store in Midtown and I worked with Ryan's old music partner. Um, and then eventually like we started throwing music events together, like black light parties. It was super ratchet, super low key, love, but like, I, love that. I yeah, it was so fun, but like so low budget. It was also probably some of the best nights of our life. But, um, Yes, and then Ryan and I split off. Like he said, we caught the house bug, and that was kind of it from there. And um, during quarantine, I'd say, is really when we like buckled down and started writing a lot of our jokes that we had. That's awesome. I mean, you said like it's ratchet, but those are some of the best times of your life. That's really the roots of what this music is. It's oh, yeah. it's those parties where it's like it's dark and it's grungy, and you know you're sweating your ass off. Like that is exactly like three hundred dollar budget. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's so great. Right. Those are the best. Oh, we, yeah. were, we were mopping paint off the ceiling and the yeah, we do blacklight paint parties. So that's the first and last time I've ever had to mop paint off of the ceiling. Hopefully. Oh my god! Especially I when you're hungover, that's not fun. Yeah, that's they had us come. They had us come back the next day because they're just like, yeah, we're not going to make our our maintenance people do this as messed up. You guys got to come back and mop this. That's that's fair. That's it's humble beginnings. I love it. <laughs> and so, so there's a lot of duality, like with your name, Truth and Lies. Is that something that was super intentional or how did that come about? Yeah, I feel like everyone thinks it's super exciting, but honestly, it was, um, we did want something with duality, you know, because our backgrounds in music are very different. And like the way that we came at music was very different. Like, um, but we wanted something that had that duality, something that represented the two of us, but also something that was easy to brand, you know, because this isn't, this wasn't our first project. We started writing uh, like Latin trap and moon baton and stuff like that under the okay. name Liches. So we'd always been making Latin music. So when people say we make Latin tech house, it's like kind of just a continuation for us. But yeah, this isn't our first project. So when we rebranded and restarted, we, we knew we needed something brandable. We knew we needed something that we can, uh, apply like imagery to you know so mm -hmm. when Truth and Lies first started we started really with the black and white stuff and like went super serious with it and now I think we're starting to explore more and more like maybe it's like the some of the serious side is the music and some of the doofy side is the other side so I don't know we're just we're still exploring it and uh, you know we love making music but I wouldn't say that we're brand vocals <laughs> we are both we're both naturally like musicians naturally gifted in thinking about how we want to, how our music sound and how people would feel with our music. And then the, the name was just something that we came up with really out of like really necessity. We needed to have a name and then we just wanted to brand it. So it was easy for us to use later on. And yeah. I think we had the music before we had the name. So we were like, damn, we should probably figure something out <laughs> at this point. Well, yeah. that's actually, okay. So one thing I'm a branding consultant, that's like my nine to five. I have a business. No and and right, one chat. thing, one thing that I well, first of all, I think the name is really good because it gives you a lot of room to play around. You didn't like lock yourself into something. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I was going to say is a lot of times anyone who's first starting a business could be a music project, could be whatever, whatever the hell they want. They get so wrapped up in, I got to have a name and a logo before they actually have a business model. So you guys did it the right way where you're like, we're making music that we love. Now we have to do, because so many people will like spend hundreds of dollars on a logo and a 100%. name or whatever, 
and then it doesn't launch. And it's like, you just wasted your time. I think you're also just giving us too much credit. And it's just because <laughs> we just we prefer to make music and we suck at social media. So it wasn't like a planned thing at all. It was more just like, uh, we like making music and I don't know anything about, you know, IG. Obviously we've learned over the years having to do it every day, et cetera. Yeah, right. But in the beginning it was just like, I don't know what to post on our Instagram or what our story or our brand or like what creative value we have besides our music, you know? Yeah. Other thing too is our, our, our whole ethos is let's try to do everything ourselves until we absolutely can't. So like mm-hmm. all of our DJ visuals I made, all yeah. the social media stuff and the back end stuff we do, Ian takes care of like, it's it's all like a, I mean it's now it's a team project, but before it was just like we kind of had to do everything ourselves. And when the pandemic hit, it was the same thing. It was like, how are we gonna get our name out there while we can't play shows? Now that right. we started touring this last year, we've had to like start delegating, and like we've got an incredible team around us. We have like our day to day manager Marty and our manager Mario, and we have like a photo guy Josiah and people that edit. And, like, there's literally no way we'd be able to do all this alone anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. but. It's- it's but tough. at the same time, for us, it was important that we know how to do all the things ourselves. Yeah. You know? So we can edit all of our own videos. Like Ryan said, we can create all the visuals. We make all the music. We do all the social stuff. But it's just like, at a certain point, music becomes lower down in the importance when you do all those things. You know? Like, you end up not writing as much music and spending all your time doing these other things. And that's the opposite of what we're going for here. You know? There's a limited amount of time in each day. Totally. Sorry if you guys just heard that thunder right now. <laughs> where where um, are you, Olivia? I'm in I'm in Chicago, and it's oh, about nice. to, yeah. So you about, got thunder and smoke right now. Yeah, I do. It's it looks like uh, like an apocalypse outside my window right now. I love that should be your, that should be your so DJ so name, so Thunder and Smoke. Yeah, that's fire. But what did you say, Thunder and Smoke? Oh, <laughs> that's really good. That's a fire DJ. There you go. There you go. That's that's my DJ name now. Yeah. Um, well, I think so. I've talked to a lot of artists about this, about knowing how to do all the things yourself, but knowing when to delegate. And I always emphasize the importance of knowing how to do the thing, because I think you, you have to, because if you just pass off your shit to somebody without knowing anything about it, you're bound to get burned. That's how people like go to jail for tax fraud. You know what I mean? Yeah, you. I think you at a certain point you maybe fall out of touch with certain parts of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's certain something to be said for like the Henry Ford approach, which is he doesn't know how to do any of the things himself, but on speed dial, he had all the professionals that could come and do it mm-hmm. for him, sort right. of thing. I, I personally, I see both sides, and I know like as we continue to expand and the brand expands, we're going to be able to do fewer and fewer things because right. you know it's not like Diplo's editing his own videos, playing four hundred shows right. a year. Yeah. But you, you have know? the awareness. You, you exactly. Like, you I think it's a firm foundation. Yeah, it's a yeah. firm foundation. That's what I would say. I agree. Yeah, another yeah. thing too. That another thing too. Like we, like you said, is that it's good for us to know because now we can tell somebody. Since I, I learned how to make visuals, I was like, I can tell someone who actually makes visuals for us now what kind of style we have or what kind of style we like, mm-hmm. and we can kind of go through it. And, and same thing for like when we do our videos, we have a photographer that travels with us. He knows what we do, but if he can't come with us, then. He, we have to get someone else and we have, he takes care of the branding of what our visual representation right. looks like in a video form for Instagram or TikTok or whatever. Shout out media. to Josiah. Yeah. So it's, it's like you said, it is really important. It was, I'm really glad that we did that because it helped us a lot with figuring out our direction. And I think yeah. once we figure that out, once we figure that stuff out and we gave it to people who actually can do it way better than we can do it, 
right. they started to help like our online. And a lot market. of this happened because of our manager. Like like I was saying earlier, this isn't really our strong suit, you know? So a lot of it was like Mario sitting us down and being like, yo, you guys, I have someone, I'm going to send them on the road with you guys. And we're like, all right, let's, let's do it. Because generally at the end of the day, like we, we trust Mario. We have a manager who I would say knows way more about the music industry than we do. So mm-hmm. yeah, certain, yeah, I know that in my heart he works for us, but really it feels like I work for Mario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing to say for other artists is that's really hard to find a good manager that, that will, that believes in the project as much as you. And I think Mario actually probably believes in the project. It may be even more than us more sometimes. Than us. Yeah. He'll, he'll text us at like 3 a.m. super hyped about something he saw, like an article or someone That's played awesome. one of our tracks, and it's just great. I'll look in the morning and be like, why did you text me at 3 a.m.? I didn't see this. <laughs> Mario was like one of the first A&Rs when he, back when he worked at a record label to pick us up. So he's been watching our project for a long time, um, and he really helped us in many ways. Like back before COVID, we had all sorts of music written. And I think no concise theme for it, like mm-hmm. no two songs that you would listen to and be like, oh, this is truth and lies, you know? And he sat us down. He's like, guys, you got to figure out what's going on here. Like, what's your route? What's your sound? What do you offer that no one else can? And that's, that's that we took that into COVID and it really helped a lot. And, you know, he yeah. picked us up and um, it's kind of, we've kind of gone off since then a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's a there's a lot to be said for that. So you're talking about finding the through line and the cohesion between everything you do. Absolutely. And, you know, as somebody who does branding for a living, it's always the creatives who are so particular about their work. It's hard to step outside of yourself and recognize those patterns because you're so you're so close to it. So it's so amazing to have, you know, a team like you do to help you they're just seeing it through through a fresh set of eyes and a different lens. And that's just like an invaluable thing to have that, you know, you wish for, for every artist. It's really special. And that's something that doesn't kind of match right away for people too. Like when we first started, we're like, this sounds, all our music, it sounds so good. And then we'd send out to people and they're like, it's not really that yeah. good. It's like, yeah. and you feel like, man, I, I spent so much time on it, working on it, but we just didn't have any perspective. And so yeah. having a manager, having a, a team around us gives us perspective. Having met, you know mentors and friends that are in the music industry that we can send music to or bounce ideas off of, that really has helped us grow and also helps us grow faster. So it's yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a bunch of artists that have helped us out like that. Like back in the day, Codes, you know, when we were first starting to make Tech House, Codes put us on, asked for absolutely nothing. Like Sid has put us on, asked for yeah. absolutely nothing in return. Man, the list goes on. Like not even musicians too, but just people in the industry. Like. Uh, Bobby from DJ Lovers Club. He's helped us out so much, you know? Like, yeah. Like, That's we're, awesome. Uh, pretty lucky to have the network that we do. So let me ask you a question about that because um, I feel like on the two extremes when it comes to just uh, whatever, any industry, you have people who are too afraid to ask for help or feedback or opinions. And then you have people who can be a little bit annoying about it, right? Who are overly familiar and friendly when they shouldn't be. So how, when you were building your career, how did you kind of approach um, building those relationships in a way that was mindful, that wasn't going to hurt your brand? So for us, it was a little different than what you're describing because one way that we decided to provide value from our brand, especially during COVID, is we started doing um, weekly demo streams 
So anybody could send music into our demo stream and we would listen to the whole song. We would get feedback. Um, you know, and we would do that for 20, 30 songs a week, 40 songs, wow. depending on what we got, sometimes up to 70 if we got that many submissions. Wow. Um, so we built, we built a relationship with hundreds, probably up to a couple thousand producers during COVID um, just because we were giving out a lot of feedback. So for me, um, it does not bother me at all when you send me music to listen to. I just, it's just been a lot these days and I can't listen to everything, um, which makes me feel kind of bad. But at the same time, it's a fucking amazing feeling to see these producers that are now popping off that we were listening to during COVID and like helping out, you know? So, yeah. Um, I think it's important. I, I hope to one day be able to get back to doing something like that. But, you know, streaming on Twitch isn't really a valid opportunity right now, considering compared to what it used to be, at least. So, um, I think there's a way to get back to it. And eventually, you know, when we have our record label launched, I think we'll be doing way more stuff like that. Yeah. And I think the good thing is like in saying the com- community is so important to us. Like that is a big thing that we try to focus on with, you know, we don't try to have this massive social media following that we, you know, pay for bots or whatever to grow. Our, it's, we just want to have everyone. We want everyone to feel comfortable DMing us. We want everyone to feel comfortable t- talking with us and, that's the same thing how our whole team works. It's how our team works. You just message them or message us and we'll, you know. Yeah, we answer every DM. It just takes a while. Yeah. That, that's so awesome. One of like the universal principles that I believe in is you have to give in order to receive. So by, you know, giving that value and, and, and being, you know, uh, a sounding board for people literally is, is amazing. And it, do, it does come back. You know, the good karma does come back in one way or another. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's always important to remember that, you know, if someone starting out, you know, if there's like for us, when we deal with younger producers who are sending us demos, we were there before. So we know what they're, we know what their challenges they're going to go through. We know what to, what they're going to have to overcome. And we never really had, like, we just kind of started and did it on our own. We were just totally like, you know what, when we first started producing and working together, we worked pretty much exclusive just just he and I for I don't know three or four years by ourselves without really getting help from anybody and we kind of had to go through these struggles a lot more than anyone else can but mm-hmm. when I hear someone else send us a track and I can give them the feedback and say hey we've been there we know what you're doing here's how you can take the next step and hopefully improve faster like that's yeah. that's more gratifying to me than anything because I I want I want everyone to succeed there's enough place there's enough space in this industry for yeah, we everyone. can all eat for sure exactly very refreshing perspective because um, I think a lot of uh, a lot of the discourse I see are people who are kind of like in the scarcity mindset of oh everybody wants to be a DJ now and they like roll their eyes and they you know I see this a lot especially in the my local scene in Chicago and I'm not like uh, saying this is for everybody but people who have been doing it longer like the old heads and they say oh now everybody's whatever. And I just think that's like crazy because everybody, nobody's making the same stuff. Everybody has their own unique, you know, contributions to music and there's something out there for everybody. Um, So it's really nice to hear that, you know, you guys are coming from that perspective that the, you know, the more the merrier, join the party. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's two sides, right? Like if you think about it, you are competing right? That's mm-hmm. just the fact of the matter. There's limited amounts of slots in a DJ set in the city because of, you know, just the way that it works. But at the same time, it's like, you're going to go farther if you help each other out. And there is definitely enough 
for everybody to go around and to eat. And like, I don't think it needs to be, I think, I think it's good at the end of the day, because this means that our whole genre and our whole industry is popping off. You know what I'm saying? Like people wouldn't be getting into this and people wouldn't constantly be becoming new DJs if there wasn't an industry or like a demand for it. Yeah. And I think competition is a good thing too, because if, if we notice that everyone else is doing well, we're like, man, we got to up our game too. And it's not like we're going to go after and be like, oh, you know, we don't, we don't want to go to them and say, hey, just because you're an old head, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Us new kids know stuff or whatever it may be. But it's really, it's really just a, it's really good to have competition. It's also really good to have community. And that's like one thing about New York that's all the New York DJs go out and support each other. Everyone goes to each other's shows when they're in town. It's, you know, Brooklyn Mirage is like a, literally a DJ hangout spot. So yeah. we all go to Mirage and see people play that are in town visiting or whatnot. And, it's like almost never drama in a local scene. No. You know? like, That's good. I'll be I'll be at the Brooklyn Mirage for the first time on July twenty second or third. I'm excited. Nice. I think nice it's up. I think it's Elro. Yeah, I'm excited nice. but a little nervous because there's a lot of people. I have a a tough <laughs> you, time sometimes. Do you have a you have backstage? Uh, yeah, I we oh, do. Yeah. So I think I mean I did that because it's like I I'm getting too old to be in the thick of the crowds no crowds will give me a little bit of anxiety yeah i like going in the crowd a little bit just so i could feel like the vibe or the energy of something like whenever we're playing somewhere or like whenever we're going i just love going to to experience it a little bit yeah i do do understand that especially before or after our set i love to do that but like going into the middle of the brooklyn mirage crowd with ten thousand people yeah it's also just stressing me out a little bit <laughs> yeah, I, and for me, it's more like germ anxiety and just getting pushed around and stuff. Yeah. I think I think it's a post COVID thing because it really co- COVID accelerated. Like, the, I remember the first time going back to a club and like being bounced around like a ping pong yep. on the dance floor at Spy Bar, and I was like, oh my god, like what what the fuck? Like I'm used to my living room, you know, sets or whatever or the live streams. So I do love Spy Bar. Though. Yeah, Spy Bar is a little sweaty club. It's tiny. It's not like. I love it. I wouldn't say yeah. it's like a small club, but it's like it, you yeah. feel like you're all packed in together. It feels it, I mean, I love that kind of stuff. In April, right? Or yeah, we played in April. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I um, I remember you guys were here. I was actually out of town, so I was bummed I didn't see you. But I've I've been going to Spy Bar for a very long time. Like, I'm assuming you know Sherm. Of course, I think it's his birthday today. Is it? Oh my god, I got to call him. It's his birthday. Can you, let's give him some. That foul Malort. Oh, he made you try Malort. Of course he did. Oh, we, we went out to dinner with Sherm before our show, and he's like, "We're gonna have, we're gonna have some Malort," and we took uh. a of Malort, and I don't think it was horrendously bad, but it was not, it was not good. No, Ian it was, was, it was, was struggling. Bad. But the one for uh, the one for us was funny to watch. Was our photographer Josiah? He he's <laughs> he was he was like keeling over, like almost dying after he took it. I was like, it's Nah, it's like the grossest, like like grapefruit, like but like rancid grapefruit taste. He, I'm hoping he's getting paid to do what he's doing. I hope so him. too, because otherwise because there's like, no reason to be. In there's that no pain. fucking reason unless you just <laughs> want to torture your friends. That's what I'm assuming. Like it's great content. It's great yeah, content. yeah, it is. It is. It's very. It's like genius, but also low hanging fruit because it's Chicago like centric. Like yeah. they, you know, you have to use Lake Michigan water to make, that's how they make it with Lake Michigan water. But there's like a joke about 
the Chicago river being disgusting. Like you don't want to even dip like your finger in the Chicago river. Cause it'll like, like fall off. And to me, that's what I feel like Malort is made with is Chicago river water. Well, I'm glad to know that we had that, that fish from the Chicago river for dinner that night with him too. Yeah. <laughs> well, just, Wait, no, I'm you didn't. <laughs> it's like, you might want to go get some blood work done. <laughs> oh, oh, that's too funny. It's a small world. See, the community aspect of, of house music is unmatched. I, I love Sherm. I used to have, like, during COVID, we started this thing. A couple friends, I started this thing called Rooftop Drops, where when we were allowed to, like, be outside again, we were doing live stream sets from different rooftops, and Sherm came and played for us. So that's what makes this scene so special. Like, you just make long-lasting friendships. It, it's it's a, just a great way to meet people. It's a tiny little scene, too. You see the same people backstage in, like, Florida, Texas, Cali, New York, everywhere. It's, like, so funny. Yeah, we have yeah. A, we have a crew that you know. Whenever we play in LA, they're always there. It's like the same crew of people, and that's like then we have a similar thing when we go to play in in Orlando or or we go to Tampa or whatever. It's just the same thing. It's like it's and even the city too. Same thing. It's and that's that's special. Like that's fun. That's awesome to me. Yeah, that's got to feel really good just to see the people coming out for you over and over again, and knowing. I mean, I say this to like every artists I talk to and some of them are just like, ah, no, like, like they're, they're too humble about it. But like you're making, you're the best part of their week. They work most of the time. People who attend shows work a job that's nine to five, sometimes soul sucking. And they're looking forward to this moment of release. And like, that's got to feel really cool that like you can do that for them. That's a great perspective to hear you say it like that because yeah, I didn't ever thought it's, it's, it's often we, we don't think like that, and it's really important for us to go, wow. I, you know, it's, it's great for Maybe us. Maybe this is what they were looking forward to this week. Yeah. Know? Yeah, I know for me, you know, I mean, I love, like, I love my job. I love everything, but, like, being able to look forward to something like that. And, you know, what I do is, like, I try to keep my phone away for the most part, but I always take one or two videos because the next day, just getting to look at and recapping it, you know, it's like, wow, like that was just so much fucking fun. Yeah. It's, re- it's unmatched. Have, like, you ever, I really, have you ever been to Output in New York before? I, I, I yeah. yep. My, yeah, my yeah. husband's from New York and we went in 2018 and then didn't it close in 19 or 20? It yeah. Just, just before COVID. Uh, it, clo- it closed in January of 2019, I think. The reason I brought it up is because they would put they would put that sticker over your phone there, so you wouldn't yep. really be allowed to like take videos, and like they would kind of politely suggest that you would put your phone away if you had yep. it out on the dance floor. So definitely that vibe that you're talking about, you know, I miss that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a provide like for us. Like when we go out, we, we that's why we have a media guy to take videos for us because I don't I don't like pulling my phone out while we're DJing and like doing the whole thing, like taking a photo of the crowd. Like to me, that just feels like I'm, I lose like, the crowd loses interest in, in me or, yeah. or like, I feel like I'm not connected to them anymore. And so I, I do appreciate the no phone thing. Um, obviously, yeah. obviously we, it's a double edged sword because we do want people to take videos of us and post them so we can share them on social media and stuff too. So of course. Yeah. But like, but you're, you're in the moment and most, for the most part, people are like, people don't go to these shows to be on their phones. It's not like yeah. a regular club environment you know i'd say the vast majority yeah you're right sure yeah so i want to touch on really quickly because one of the tweets that had like really sparked my interest in talking to you i'm not sure which one of you runs twitter or both but you were talking about like doing your taxes as a create like as a artist right 
Yeah, that was me. I remember what I, I remember what it was. Yeah. Okay, because like Ian's looking and I'm like, oh yeah, my god, is, was that not <laughs> you? I'm I'm pretty sure it was. You were talking about like you know how important it is to to get all of that in order, and there's so many components to being a successful artist, creative, whatever. But the business side is the stuff that nobody ever wants to deal with. So why did you decide to post about that? I think the good thing to know is that, like for me, again, like we come from a place of like we love working and helping people, and that's the thing. And this past year was our first year we really had Truth and Lies as a business, right? We we kind of did it as a, mm-hmm. we toured, but we didn't really make enough money to where it was like, you know, it was just like here and there. We play a couple shows and we make some money, but nothing that was like crazy amount of money. And this last year we had to like get an LLC, we had to get a bank account, we had to hire someone to do our taxes, like because I mean I can do my own taxes, that's not too hard, but um, doing it for you know. <laughs> deductions for literally everything possible so we can end up having some money I'm not paying the government all of our money was important yep. so I, I just was like you know what i'm gonna post the stuff that we learned this year that has really helped us and has really helped you know us get our stuff together because i feel like someone out there who's starting is gonna, gonna go through the whole year and be like oh shit i have to do my taxes i didn't i didn't think about any of this i used my personal card i didn't have a business account like I figured mm-hmm. someone was going to find that useful. And that's generally every so often I like to post things like that on Twitter because on Instagram it's like you post fun stuff and videos, but it's not like something you can post like a lot of text and really people grasp it. Yeah, it's not a text-based platform. Sure. So I post stuff like that every, every so often on there, and it usually does really well. For, uh, it gets a lot of interaction, but it's also people message us later and say, this is awesome. Uh, this really helped me. It's I always the educational fun. posts that do the best. Like I remember, Ryan, you posted a while back um, – like a list of all the plugins that we use the most. And like that post went off, you know, mm-hmm. like a couple of ones, like how to, you did another one that was like how to send music to artists that you respect. Like what's the best way to get your music to artists. Yeah. Like a bunch it's, of those things. I did one it's about again, it's the providing too. value. Yeah. 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 Providing value. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that was our biggest struggle and still is with our Instagram at least, you know, cause like um, we don't really make content much and we're not, mm-hmm. Our content is like show uh, content and funny stuff. That's kind of what we we are, and uh, totally. And we, you know, we do like educating, helping people, and then stuff like that. So I try every so often to post something educational, and you know, I like I post the one about how to how to travel, like how you can get become a frequent flyer, how did you get business credit cards and stuff like that. And it's like I don't want anyone to have to spend more money or like these hotels and airlines make so much money as it is. Mm-hmm. Let's. Let's mm-hmm. learn how to use it to your advantage. And so you don't have to go through paying extra amount of money to deal with, you know, flights or you get benefits. And I think, I think all that stuff that you're posting to Twitter and text form can be eventually converted into video form for the other yeah. platforms. But like I said, it's just like a question of making the content. And like right now, Ryan and I both work. Um, so Truth and Lies is kind of like our side project. Oh, yes. Yeah, so you guys are busy, busy. Yeah. Since rent in Manhattan is fucking ridiculous. You know, it's... Uh, yeah. It's like truth and lies until it's the main thing. It's always going to be the side. Yeah. So yeah. Hopefully hopefully like by, by, by next year. Yeah. Because yeah. the way that we grew this year, we're hoping we'll have some similar growth for next year. That's um, insanely impressive though, that you guys are doing all of that because the, just the hours, the difference in the hours you have to spend in nightclubs versus a nine to five. I, I can't even fathom. Yeah. I work for yeah, a school, so I'm up at like seven thirty in the morning. No fucking way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you I, do? 
I do IT work for a school, so it's not like a it's not a very difficult job for me because it's a lot of like okay. kids, breaking, kids breaking their you know iPad or whatever, and it's just like I put in a box and send it to Apple. But um, it's and it's t- it's time consuming. You know, I come home from work every Monday through Friday, and like on Mondays we have our team meeting with our management, and we go through like stuff we need to buy flights for the week or whatever we need to buy. Wow, we, we do all that on Mondays, and then Ian and I work two, uh, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, maybe one of those days we don't ha- we take like some time off to actually have some time off, and then Friday sometimes I go from work to the airport, fly to a show. I mean, that's wow. Yeah, that's it. It's a, it's it's a challenge for me, but I love it, and I I mean, eventually I want to do this more full time than having to work at a desk job because that would. <laughs> This job is kind of mind-numbing and not what I wanted to do my whole life. The ideal situation would be to the lies full-time with something part-time on top and not the other way around. You yeah, know? Something, right. mus- something musical, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I, I think you're well on your way there, um, and that's really impressive. I just can't, like, it's amazing to, to see. They always say if, you're, if you need something done, ask the busiest person in the room because they f- know how to fit everything in. That's obviously true of you guys. Um, yeah, we'll just ask our manager to do it. Yeah. Well, I feel like you should have saved the manager. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you should have saved that IT part for two, two truths and a lie because I would have not guessed that. Um, I do, before we wrap up, I want to play this just for like shits and giggles. But I, okay. But Ryan and Ian, you know each other obviously very well. So you can't give it away. What I'll, I already thought of mine, so I have a, a head start on you guys. So I'll, I'll start, okay? Right. Uh, and you guys can think. So, all right. So two truths and a lie. You've played it before, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So I wrote these down. Wait. Uh, okay. I, I couldn't ride a bike until I was in my 20s. I got slimed on Slime Time Live for Nickelodeon. And I've camped at 15 festivals. What is the lie? First one is a lie. Yeah, the first one is a lie. I was really hoping you guys slimed on Slime Time Live. No, I did get that. that, No, I did. So you were camping. Although you said the first one was a lie. Yeah, so I was right. Yeah, let's go. (laughs) Wait, no, no, that wasn't (laughs) the lie. The lie lie was I camped at 15 festivals. I've never camped in my life. You never camped in oh, your wow. life. I wow. Figured you were, I, I figured you were a camper. I don't know why. Oh, I'm kind of offended by that, but I'll let it slide. Why. I figured you What's were a festival camper. I'm a, a festival goer, not a camper. No, not even in an RV. Can't do it. I'm, oh. a, I'm an indoor cat. Yeah. Yep. All right. Who wants to go next? Right, you got to let me think of one, though. I know. I feel like I gave you no prep time. Yeah, no prep time at all. Let's see if I can think of a couple things. That would be good. All right, I'll go. Okay, let's hear it. I've been to all 40... I've been to... Let's see here. Hmm. Okay. Ian will probably get this. That's the, that's the, this is going to be the challenge. He's I'm definitely not going to give it away. I'm just trying to think of mine. <laughs> All right. Okay. It's just for me then. Yeah. So I've been to all of the continental 48 states. I've lived in more than five different states. I've 
never been outside the country. Which one is the lie? Mm. I think I'm between the first and the third. But I feel like you've been out of the country. Is the first one the lie? Nope. I've been to all, I've been to all those states. So did you not live in five states? Nope. I lived in five states too. So, so ne- <laughs> never been out of the country. Nope. I just That's got so my good. passport. Like what? I, when did I get my passport? Like April? No, no. I got it because we could take Groove Cruise. Yeah. So technically I was on Groove Cruise. You've been but, like, you got that- it. You got it for Groove Cruise. Sure did. That's all. Groove Cruise is a good time. So I guess that all three of those are true technically because I did go out of the country, but I really didn't because we were on the boat. So it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. I did you even leave the boat? Because when I went on Groove Cruise, we barely left the boat. We left the boat for like an hour. Yeah, so that uh, doesn't count. No. That was good though. That that was a, a really tricky one. I like the travel theme. Yeah. So Ian, and do you, you have yours yet? Do you think okay. of DJs just traveling everywhere? And I was like, right. I've never that was been good. Country, so. You got me. All right. So I speak Spanish fluently. I do environmental advocacy work, or I've never been out of the country. No way. Okay. You said you make Latin house or you, you made a lot of Latin house. So I feel like, I feel like that one's probably true. Um, environmental advocacy work. I feel like that's really random. So is it the, is the third one the lie? Damn it. You're good. Well, I mean, come on. Who comes up with them? But that's like such a random job. Like, Not really. I, I feel like, you know, that's, I feel like that's, yeah, I guess I could have come up with something. You no, no, it. those were good, though. You could have changed it. And said, I, got, I make instruments out of recycled materials. Damn, that, that would have been the one. Yeah, that's the environmental advocacy work. Yeah, but that's really cool. You guys have really, like, cool jobs. I mean, like, you have important Ryan, jobs. Ryan does that with us as well. Yeah, we make instruments out of recycled materials, and we uh, go to schools and talk oh about environmental sustainability and the science of sound and stuff. So Ryan also performs in that. And Ryan's wife, Hannah, as well. She also does vocals. Yeah. That is so dope. Do you guys, because I would like to share that with this episode, do you have like links or anything to show for that that I can include? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, bashthetrash.com. Bash and actually, that's that is Ian's, so cool. it's Ian's family's uh, business. They've doing, been doing it since the, family the, 80s, business, yeah. the 80s. So Yeah, late, the late 80s. Very cool. Well, I'll have to check that out. I, I really appreciate you guys taking some time and chatting with me. It was so, so cool to get to know you on a little bit deeper level. And I hope that I can see you soon next time you come to Chicago. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Great to meet you, Olivia. When you're in New York, let us know. And uh, I think we'll definitely be in Chicago drinking that nasty ass more soon. So I really want to highlight those points that that the guys made about their management team literally texting them at three in the morning because they saw something on Instagram or they had an idea and they were just so excited they couldn't wait to share. If you are on a creative team or you're an entrepreneur or you're just trying to build something, you may recognize how rare that is to have everyone on a team rowing the boat in the same direction and just invested in this idea of success. It is rare. And it is the gold standard in life. So if you are someone who's building something, I really encourage you to take stock of of who you have on your team. Are these people who are energized by the idea of success or are they kind of just punching in, punching out and hanging around? This can be a tough thing to do, especially if you have people on your team that you love, that you're close with, but 
it's necessary if you want to get to the next level. So if you've enjoyed the show, of course, the best way to support is subscribe, give us a follow. I'll see you here next week. Thank you.